All right. Hi, everyone. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Brian Tababa. I'm a physical therapist from AmeriCare Physical Therapy here in Garwood, New Jersey. And I'm very happy to have a special guest with us today, um, Dr. Vinay Chopra. He is an, uh, the owner and physician at Genesis Regenerative Sports and Aesthetic Medicine in Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dr. Chopra. Oh, thanks for having me, Brian. So, um, you know, we, we, we do these every couple of weeks um, to, you know, kind of highlight local physicians and doctors in the area, but we also want to kind of educate and have a discussion on kind of relevant topics uh, for both of our fields. And, and I know, and they're intertwined. So, um, so for patients um, who seek out physical therapy or seek out a physician for sports medicine or orthopedic conditions, kind of want to um, educate them and give them something that, um, they can take home with them. So um, before we get into our main topic of knee pain today, I uh, kind of wanted to start off, uh, if you can, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and your practice. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I was actually born and raised in New Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy, and I uh, went to undergrad at Rutgers University. I uh, did my medical school uh, training at uh, Ross University uh, School of Medicine. I then uh, went to University of Maryland uh, for my uh, residency uh, in medicine, and uh, then uh, did my fellowship in sports medicine uh, over at uh, Morristown Medical Center in Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, I spent about a year um, you know, uh, as a fellow for um, uh, the New York Jets. I was exposed to a lot of uh, NFL athletes, professional athletes, high school athletes, college, uh, and uh, you know, um, the average weekend warrior as well. Um, had a great experience there, um, you know, joined a, um, um, you know, orthopedic group, um, learned a lot of my skills from the orthopedic group, and uh, uh, last year opened up a practice in Westfield, New Jersey, uh, called uh, Genesis Regenerative Sports and Aesthetic Medicine, uh, and uh, we've been at it ever since, uh, you know, a lot of our, um, you know, uh, core uh, you know, uh, uh, patients that we see are usually more sports-related injuries, orthopedic-related injuries, uh, regenerative medicine. We also do a lot of concussion head injuries as well, too. So I'm pretty proud of our practice um, and um, also had a really good friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Griffin, Dr. Matthew Griffin, join us as well um, uh, when we first opened up. Um, and Dr. Griffin does uh, pretty much similar things that I do. Uh, in addition, he does a lot of uh, paleo-keto dieting and, and uh, uh, weight loss management as well, too. Um, so, you know, here we are in Westfield, New Jersey, and uh, it's, it's been uh, almost a year now, and uh, we've, we've been very excited with the town. The town's beautiful, uh, you know, probably one of the nicest areas in New Jersey, and uh, people here are very nice, uh, and uh, uh, it's, been, it's been a great experience so far. Great, thank you. Um, so, you know, you kind of went into the types of different patients that you see in your office. Um, do you often see a lot of people with knee pain? Yeah, we do. Uh, we see a whole spectrum of orthopedic injuries. You know, we, we do knee pain, shoulders, hips, uh, ankle, elbow. Uh, but yes, knee pain is a very big one. It's a very popular one. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with the knee joint. Um, you know, it is one of the most complex uh, joints in your body and also one of the largest joints in your body as well, too. Great. So, um, you know, using your expertise, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, from your point of view, kind of the, a little bit about the anatomy of the knee and uh, more importantly, like the functional components that, you know, kind of play into our everyday lives. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we'll start with the bones first. Uh, you know, you've got your thigh bone or your femur and, and then you have your tibia. Uh, those sort of conform or come into a joint, uh, which is called the knee. Um, then you've got your kneecap, which obviously is in the front. 
Uh, and then you've got your muscles that move the knee around. Uh, you've got your um, quadricep muscle, which is the big muscle right in front. And then you've got your hamstrings, which are back on the back part of your leg. Uh, and these muscles actually help um, extend and flex the knee. Uh, typically the, the quadriceps will extend the knee and then the hamstrings will flex the knee. Um, then you have the structures that are inside. Um, you've got your tendons, um, you've got your patellar tendon, you've got your quadricep tendon. Um, they actually attach to the bone and then from the bone to the muscle. Um, and then of course you've got um, uh, ligaments, uh, which are important, um, such as uh, you know, the world famous ACL ligament, which you hear all the time, especially with athletes who tear their ACL. Right. Uh, you've got your PCL, which is the little known brother of the ACL. Uh, and you've got your MCL, which is another uh, very famous ligament that a lot of people hear about, and then the LCL. Um, and uh, you've got your meniscus. Um, you know, I, I think every, everybody has heard about the meniscus. Everyone has kind of dealt with somebody they know of that, that's had a meniscus injury. Um, and your meniscus is basically a shock absorber inside your knee. It also kind of supports the knee and, and uh, stabilizes knee joint as well, too. Uh, and people do tend to end up getting a lot of tears in those meniscus. And then, of course, cartilage, which is important, that kind of lines the bone. Um, and that's where people get arthritis. When the cartilage breaks down over time, uh, people start to develop arthritic changes. And that can be very, very painful as well. Okay. And, um, you know, what are the most common in knee injuries that you see in your practice uh, coming into the office? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, one of the most common things that we see, especially with knees, um, is a meniscus tear. Um, and uh, I would probably say uh, arthritis is probably the most common one, but uh, meniscus is a close second. Um, you know, a lot of patients come in with knee pain, um, you know, typically if they're in their 60s, 70s. Um, you know, one of the things you want to look out for is uh, obviously developing arthritis. Um, uh, there's an article out there that, that says that about 80% of the American population um, by the age of 60 years old will develop some sort of arthritic changes in their body. And typically it's the knee that causes that. Um, the meniscus is another thing. You, you can get an acute tear of your meniscus. Some athletes, you know, if they uh, uh, twist their knee or if they have a trauma or a fall, um, they can actually tear uh, their meniscus. Um, and then older people, when they start to develop arthritis, will develop what we call degenerative meniscus tears, which is wearing down of the meniscus. Uh, and of course, you'll see your sprains and strains. Uh, you'll see an ACL sprain, a partial tear of the ACL, full rupture of the ACL. You get your MCL sprains as well to tear of your MCL. So, you know, those are usually very common uh, injuries that we see, uh, you know, in the office. So I guess the next question would be, if I'm a patient who is experiencing a little bit of pain, when would I think it's appropriate? So in a, a lot of different patients I see in the clinic, you know, they go straight to their uh, primary physician, which is a natural reaction, or they go to their family medicine doctor. Um, sure. And then, you know, I sometimes get, you know, kind of nervous because they sometimes they wait for those appointments and then, and then it becomes like weeks or months until they actually have a specialist look at their knee. Um, when would you say is appropriate time to seek a physician like yourself when you're experiencing yeah. pain? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, obviously the primary care doctor is the most important doctor in, in the whole grand scheme of things, you know, making sure that you have a good open communication with your family doctors is very important. However, if you are certain that you injured your, um, you know, your knee or your shoulder or any, any type of uh, joint, um, I think going to a sports medicine doctor um, is usually your first line of defense, um, uh, or even an orthopedist is a first line of defense. Um, and typically, you know, we do have that extra training where, um, 
Um, you know, we, we have a lot of experience with, you know, spending a lot of time with different types of injuries, especially the knee, uh, you know, how to read imaging like x-rays and even MRIs and CAT scans, things like that. Um, so I, I, in my personal opinion is, is, you know, if you have a person, if you have a family doctor, of course, definitely have a family doctor, no, but if you can get into a sports medicine doctor right off the bat, uh, I think that'll also save you a lot of time and, and grief too. And um, definitely any across all the lifespan, you would say, doesn't, you know, I know, you know, when they, when someone's here, sports medicine, an older individual sometimes a little weary and I, you know, and you and I know that's not the case. You see, you see people across the lifespan. So even older individuals. Definitely, yeah. You know, so you don't have to necessarily play sports to see a sports medicine doctor. Correct. You know, yeah. we, we do yeah. a lot of, um, you know. Uh, you know, uh, different things that, that are related to orthopedics as well. Um, so, uh, you know, in terms of who we see at our practice, we see a whole broad spectrum. We'll see children, you know, adults, senior citizens, um, you know, we, we see pretty much everyone. Um, so there is no, um, there's no category that we can't see. Uh, we, we try to see them all. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're a high level athlete, you know, weekend warrior, you know, you just like to play a pickup game or you just hurt yourself, you know, you're just walking down the steps and you twist your ankle. Um, you know, we, we, we take care of all those patients. Great. Um, so let's say, um, a patient does come in to see you and this is their first visit. They're coming in with knee pain. Um, can you kind of give, uh, the viewer a little bit of what they, what, they have they can expect from their first visit coming into the office to see you absolutely so um uh, it's always good to get a good history out of a patient to find out exactly you know how the injury happened um uh, and and get their past history has this knee ever bothered them in the past is this something that's brand new is this something that's been giving them problems for years and years and years uh, and also, um, you know, you try to be as conservative as possible. Um, you do a full physical exam on the patient. Um, you, you look at the joint, um, you look at their range of motion, your strength, uh, you know, how flexible the patient is. You, you know, you'll do some provocative maneuvers in the office, such as testing the meniscus, testing the ACL, uh, you know, all the ligaments inside the knee. Uh, and uh, also, um, you know, uh, x-ray or imaging, um, which we do in our office as well. Um, so we can quickly get an x-ray on our patients, especially on their knee, uh, to make sure there's nothing going on like uh, bad arthritis or, you know, a fracture or anything else that's going on that, that could give us a clue on what their underlying issue is. Um, and then, you know, from there, you know, kind of moving on, you know, does the knee need any kind of further imaging? You know, do we have to send the patient out for an MRI? Um, you know, uh, do we have to find out if there's a, a significant tear inside that knee, um, depending on their pain and their functionality and their stability in the office? Or most of these do get treated conservatively, um, you know, so bracing, oral anti-inflammatories, um, uh, very important to, to send them to physical therapy as well. Typically, uh, I, I personally believe that physical therapy is first line of defense, um, especially after an injury, uh, to, to you know, treat this with exercise first to see if that pain will go away. Uh, and then, you know, things like um, a cortisone injection can, can help. Um, I tend not to do too, many, too much cortisone anymore in my office. Uh, just because there's a lot of studies that are coming out that uh, cortisone over time uh, can actually break down the cartilage of your knee. In fact, um, uh, cortisone does have a lot of, you know, side effects, uh, such as in diabetics, it can increase your blood sugar. Uh, it can also, you know, uh, cause more swelling in the knee sometimes as well. So I, I'm not a big fan of cortisone, but sometimes cortisone, you know, is, is something that's appropriate, especially if they have acute inflammation and just in severe pain that you need to do something. Um, and then of course, 
Um, we do have other um, alternative measures as well that we use, uh, such as regenerative medicine. Uh, regenerative medicine is a, um, a field of medicine that, that I believe is, is um, uh, becoming very important in, in the overall care of the patient, especially in, in orthopedics. Um, and that, in, that includes um, PRP injections, which is platelet-rich plasma, uh, adipose stem cell injections or, or lipogems, um, which is one brand that we use in our office, uh, bone marrow aspirate. Uh, you're basically taking the bone marrow and spinning it down and, and using your, your, your mesenchymal stem cells or cells from those uh, uh, areas and, and injecting that into the knee. So there's a lot of applications out there for, for uh, you know, conservative, minimally invasive procedures. Um, you know, typically, you know, we don't, um, uh, we don't recommend jumping directly to surgery. Uh, I know some of the surgeons won't be happy with me saying that, but, you know, there's a lot of these can be treated non-surgically right off the bat. Um, and then there's other procedures that we do like tenotomy or tenjet, um, which is basically debriding down scar tissue inside of a tendon. So once again, there's a lot of things that we can do um, from a minimally invasive and conservative standpoint for the knee. Um, it just depends on, you know, what the underlying issue is. Great. Um, I kind of want to go into some of the more uh, common diagnoses that we both see um, and maybe a little bit of some interventions that you have found have give more of the better outcomes in your experience. Um, if we can start with maybe knee osteoarthritis. Um, sure. I know, you know every patient's different, obviously, and lifestyle is different between from patient to patient. But what have you found in your practice is kind of gives the best outcomes for a patient with degenerative um, condition like osteoarthritis? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, so exercise and um, strengthening of, of the joint um, has shown in repetitive studies that it can actually slow down the rate of arthritis. So the stronger your muscles are around your knee joint, um, uh, the easier it is for you to move the knee joint back and forth. You get more support. It's a weight-bearing joint, so you want to get as much support as possible. So exercise and, 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 and physical therapy is very, very important when it comes to arthritis. Um, and then the other things that we can try is if their patient is having a lot of inflammation and you know, at their initial visit or follow-up visit, we, we can consider that cortisone injection if they really want something for pain. But once again, I tend not to do too much of that cortisone because it can eventually break down that cartilage even further. Um, the other thing I also offer for arthritis is um, uh, visco supplementation, which are jelly injections that we do. Um, brand names such as Orthovis, Synvisc, Hylagan, Genvis, a lot of these brand names that are out there pretty much are the same thing. It's just basically um, a lubricant that we were injecting into the patient's knee. It gets rid of the inflammation, puts a little bit of more cushioning in there, kind of like an oil change for your knee. That's what I call it. Um, right. And, um, you know, and of course, getting into the regenerative therapies, if a patient's tried physical therapy, you know, cortisone injection, bracing, anti-inflammatories, you know, even jelly injections, and, and they're not really responding to any of that. Then we'll get into, you know, more of the regenerative type measures like PRP, platelet-rich plate plasma, which is, you know, basically drawing your blood out and spinning it in a centrifuge and using your platelets, which are your growth factors of your blood, and injecting that into your knee. Um, we can also combine that with um, fat cells, uh, bone marrow aspirate cells, and a lot of these are more procedures that can help um, get rid of pain. Um, you know, there's some studies that are also coming out that show that there is regrowth of some cartilage as well, too. So, uh, like I said, I think it's a very fascinating uh, part of medicine, which I've been doing for about seven years now in my, at, at practice. And so, you know, we've, we've become very good at um, regenerative medicine as well, too. 
you do you find um, good outcomes um, of, of sending a patient to physical therapy after one of these regenerative um, uh, interventions, such as a PR? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think physical therapy has a huge role, um, especially with um, you know rehab, either pre-injury or sorry pre-treatment or, or post-treatment. I think mm -hmm. I think you need it for both. I typically, you know, if the patient decides that they want some sort of interventional therapy, an injection, you know. Uh, whatever, um, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's a protocol where I'll send them to physical therapy, uh, typically a couple days after the injection, sometimes even two weeks after the injection, you know, okay. um, sending them directly to therapy, having them work out with therapy. Um, and, uh, you know, I see better results that way. I've seen kind of both spectrums. I've seen patients who don't want to go to therapy and are kind of non-compliant who got the injection therapy and the ones that did get the therapies and they, and the patients obviously who did do the physical therapy with the injections, they tend up doing much better than the ones that are non-compliant. Um, so that's why it's very, very important um, to, you know, do the exercises. Um, I usually tell my patients that I give them analogies that you can take all the fat burners or diet pills you want. Uh -huh. right. If you're not doing the exercises, right. you're not going to lose any weight. Same thing with uh, the uh, injections and the, the, the uh, modalities that we, we give the patients. Absolutely. Great. Um, all right. What would you say is the best piece of um, advice so for, um, you know, obviously we're talking about people across the lifespan, best piece of advice to kind of avoid um, injuries and knee injuries in general. I know you talked a little bit about the exercise movement is so important. Um, anything mm -hmm. else that you feel from your experience would be the best piece of advice for preventing injuries? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think you guys probably have a better um, uh, view on this, but definitely stretching is important, um, you know, warming up, you know, making sure that you, you're, you're doing something for core as well. A lot of people tend to neglect your core, so your abdominal muscles, your glutes, your hamstrings, your quadriceps. All those muscles are very, very important uh, in terms of supporting the knee joint uh, and also your overall spine as well. Um, balance is very important. Um, it's important to, 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 you know, incorporate some sort of balance routine, um, as well as flexibility, which is very, very important. Um, I can't name how many patients I've seen in my office um, who have, you know, chronic knee pain, lower back pain, you know, because the fact that they're so, you know, inflexible, they're having issues with flexibility. So, okay. so those are some of the things that I would really recommend patients to do, um, you know, uh, before they do any kind of activity. Um, and uh, typically I'll have, you know, the therapist talk to them about that and, and teach them those exercises as well. Great. Um, so we talked a little bit about patients with um, like degenerative uh, conditions like osteoarthritis, but I kind of want to um, uh, hit on patients who are watching who are more ath or athletes and, you know, play sports and that sort of thing. Um, and I know you have um, experience with high-level athletes, professional mm -hmm. athletes. Um, so my, my question would be, um, do, you get, do you get those type of patients that come into your office and what does that assessment? Because a lot of times their pain isn't so specific. You know, theirs is, like, it, theirs is more, I don't know, it's like intermittent or it might come and go or it comes only when they do this certain motion. So they're more looking for a improvement in performance versus like a fixture for pain more than anything. Do you see anything like that with your athletes? Uh, so are you asking like, uh, what can they do to improve their overall performance? Correct. With sports? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, 
you know, like I said, I, I think it's important to make sure that you have, um, you know, some sort of repetitive routine and, and obviously changing it up as, as well to keep your body guessing, you know, different types of strengthening exercises is important. The flexibility is very, once again, very, very important as well. Um, but uh, typically if, I, if someone walks into my office and, and, you know, wants to know, you know, what they can do to, to improve in performance, uh, you know, you always want to look, look at, you know, making sure that, you know, the diet is up to, you know, up to par, you know, they're not, they're not a runner that, that they're not eating enough. Uh, you know, a lot of runners think that, you know, one or two meals is good enough. But if you think about it, if you're, if you're a runner and you're doing a lot of running, you need a lot of calories to burn off and, 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 uh, you know, and to, and to make sure that you're eating right. Um, and then also one of the things that a lot of, um, athletes forget about, um, is, uh, vitamin D level. So, you know, if you're, you know, sometimes performance can suffer with, with low vitamin D. Um, and you'd be surprised how many Americans have very low vitamin D, um, you know, and, and ideally I like to have, my athletes, you know, anywhere between 40 to 50 or above in terms of vitamin D uh, count. Uh, so that's one of the things I also look for and any, any kind of underlying issues, you know, um, you know, are they sleeping right? You know, are they, are they getting their, you know, right. seven, eight hours of sleep? Uh, you know, because sleeping can affect your performance. Uh, you know, are they eating right? Once again, you know, is there any underlying issues, you know, uh, you know, is there any kind of electrolyte disturbances or abnormalities that we want to look at? Um, you know, those, that's more from the medical side. And then from more from a physical standpoint uh, is making sure that, you know, if they are more of a sedentary person, that they are, you know, kind of ramping up their activity very slowly instead of, you know, hitting at hundred miles per hour right off the bat. Um, you know, that's where we see most, most of our injuries is, you know, someone who's sedentary just kind of decided that, Hey, I want to start lifting now. I want to start running now. And, you know, they'll pull a hamstring, you know, they'll, they'll develop, you know, early, you know, stress related changes, um, you know, injuries to the knee, things like that. Okay. So I'm kind of looking at some of the questions coming in here. So let's see, what is the first line of treatment with a meniscus tear? First line of treatment of meniscus tear, um, well, it, it depends on um, what kind of meniscus tear you're dealing with. Um, right. Obviously, if they're complex, um, if they're significant tears, root tears, uh, those are usually, um, you know, won't respond to conservative measures. Usually, typically, you want to consider, um, you know, getting a, a you, you know, uh, input from a, from an orthopedic surgeon or a knee specialist who does surgery on that. When you're talking about peripheral tears, degenerative tears, things like that, a lot of those can be treated conservatively, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, physical therapy, bracing, anti-inflammatories, um, uh, injections, you know. Uh, you, you can you can try you know uh, a cortisone shot to get rid of inflammation and and what I usually do is uh, you know if the tears are um, something that can be treated non-surgically uh, I'll consider PRP um, a lot of my patients have done very very well with PRP injections um, you know I've I've seen patients you know six twelve months down the road where I've actually considered doing an MRI a repeat MRI. Um, and I've seen some of the tears uh, have gotten very, you know, decreased in size. So uh, I actually do, I'm actually a big proponent of PRP, especially uh, with these meniscus tears and, uh, and even considering, you know, um, an adipose uh, procedure or, or a bone marrow aspirate procedure. Great. Um, and even from like, a I'm just going to answer the question from a physical therapy uh, standpoint. Sure. Um, honestly, the, the first line of defense is all, if it's really acute, just to modulate the patient's pain through any modalities that we can, and then get them on a program where we can improve their mobility, their range of motion, and address some of that strength. Um, and then a lot of the knee rehab that goes along, even not just not including just the meniscus tear, but 
any other knee injury would be to really strengthen the proximal muscles in the hip and in the core. I think Absolutely. that's big and key in the rehab as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Physical therapy is always, uh, you know, once again, um, if you can treat this as, as minimally interventional as possible, that's the best way to do it in terms of these uh, meniscus tears. Um, another question coming in. Um, what will you do when there is acute, what do you do when there's acute knee buckling? When you feel like, you know, it came out of nowhere um, and you are experiencing some instability there, what's kind of the first thing? Sure. That so, 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 sure. And, and that's a great question. So once again, you want to get a thorough history of the patient. You want to know if there's any, you know, you know, how old is this, how old is this patient? You know, what, okay. what kind of activities does the patient do? Is there previous issues with the knee in the past? Um, then, then, the best way to kind of figure this out would be from a thorough physical exam. You know, uh, is there any findings on exam um, that's causing him to have, or he or she to have instability? You know, is it a, is it a meniscus tear? Um, is it a patellofemoral syndrome? Basically, is it the, is it the kneecap that's becoming unstable? Uh, you know, is this an ACL injury or MCL injury? You know, so you've got to do a thorough physical examination um, uh, and sometimes even imaging, uh, further imaging like an MRI to sort of figure out, you know, where, um, you know, some of this instability is coming from. And also, you know, having the patient move around in the office, you know, have them show you what maneuvers they, they do on a regular basis that causes the instability. And that gives you a pretty good hint on what's going on. Great, thank you. Um, do you find that you see more acute or chronic meniscus pathologies? Sounds like more of a medical person to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think it varies depending on the patient population that you're in, but it, uh, us personally, um, we'll probably see more of a chronic, um, you know, we see a little, so, you know, we see, we see most of our patients are uh, a little bit on the older side and they come in with, uh, you know, more of arthritis uh, and a lot of the meniscus changes that we're seeing is, is a chronic wear down of the meniscus. Um, but of course, you know, we do see athletes as well. We'll have patients come in with an acute injury, you know, uh, right. you know doc, I, was playing soccer yesterday, all of a sudden twisted my knee and, and now, I'm, you know, I can't put any weight on it. It's very painful. I was doing burpees the other day and, you know, now my knees is buckling. So, you know, those are more typical acute injuries, but I would say overall, um, you know, we're seeing kind of more of a trend of, uh, um, you know, chronic, you know, arthritic related uh, meniscus uh, tears. Good. Um, interesting question coming in. Um, can you explain why it would hurt to kneel after an ACL uh, repair or meniscus repair? Why would it would it would hurt? Well, there's that's a very complicated question, but typically, yeah. you know, you want to make sure that your post um, injury or pre post surgery rehab has been done, you know, as well, because sometimes, you know, patients will have um, a lot of scar tissue adhesions, things like that, that could develop from surgery uh, that can sometimes cause, you know, pain. Um, you know, is there is there some sort of uh, you know, recurrent inflammation or inflammatory process that's going on, you know, did they re-injure themselves somehow? So a lot of the things you have to kind of think about, um, you know, and, and uh, try to figure out where, where that's coming from. Um, but, you know, if they're, if, they're, if they're kneeling and the pain's mostly on the front or the front of the kneecap, you know, is this bursitis that's developing? Um, right. If the pain's more deeper inside, you know, it once again, um, has there been adequate rehab? You know, is there is your scar tissue that's building up? You know, is your is your weakness that we're noticing in, in, in you know, either the, the, the hamstring or the quadricep that needs to be strengthened up? So there's a lot of things that we'd have to look at in terms of figuring that out. Okay. Um, what do you feel is the most common cause of knee pain in runners? Hmm. 
great question. Um, depends how old the runner is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the best thing. But but typically, you know, um, you know, you know, you get people a lot of runners with patellar tendonitis. So patellar tendon issues. Um, you know, for some reason, we see a lot of uh, patellofemoral pain in, in females. You know, female runners will develop inflammation underneath the kneecap. Um, but uh, you know, I would say those are probably the top two. A lot of patellar related pain especially with a lot of runners. And then, you know, of course, if we're not talking about the knee and we're talking about more of the front of the leg or the, or the tibia, then, then, you know, we want to make sure there's no stress related or stress fractures or anything that's developing either. Do you find that, um, do you find any truth in uh, female athletes, younger female athletes getting a little bit more ligament, ligamentous injuries? Um, do you see that a little bit in your practice? Yeah, I think, I think that's sort of a, um, a kind of an overall trend. Um, you know, yeah. we, we, you know, a lot of, you know, we do see a lot of uh, female athletes who um, do develop a lot of uh, patellar instability, patellofemoral pain. Um, uh, typically, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, maybe their gait, maybe their, how they're running. Uh, sometimes even the, the anatomy, you know, is there a lot of, uh, you know, uh, strength on the lateral part of that quadricep versus the inner part, you know, uh, where the vastus medialis is, which is the inner part of the quadricep, right. you know, is there, is there, you know, some, some sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, underlying foot pathology, Do they have flat feet, are they not wearing their proper shoe wear? Uh, but typically it's more of, um, you know, hip strengthening, core strengthening, things like that, that need to be sort of uh, talked about. Um, and they typically do well. I mean, a lot of our patients that we treat for patellofemoral pain, you know, we'll go to therapy, you know, they'll, they'll work on their, their core, their hips, their, you know, quads and their hamstrings, and also even sometimes even bracing, you know, patella stabilizing bracing can help with them as well too, but they do very well with just strengthening alone. Right. Now I was going to kind of ask you that and you got into it is, uh, do you, do you believe in bracing or even taping, um, as a form of intervention? For sure. People? Um, you know, as long as you're not dependent on something, you know, 24 seven, um, there is a role for bracing and taping, you know, especially with activities. Um, um, uh, but you know, at the same time, if, if you are not doing a, a run or a sprint or anything like that, um, it's good to take the brace off and it's good to work right. out without the brace. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, there's always a role for bracing and, and uh, as long as you're not uh, getting dependent on it. Do you um, have an opinion on uh, or a recommendation on the best type of knee braces for athletes or is it like, it depends, it depends on the, well, yeah. it depends on the, uh, it depends on the injury. injury. Okay. Uh, you know, that's kind you, of a common you... question I get as well. It's, which one do I get? Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> depends on the injury. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, if you've got, if you've, if you've got an MCL sprain, you want to get a hinge brace, right? You want to get right. support on both sides. You know, if you've got patellofemoral pain or patellar instability, you want to make sure you have a patellar stabilizing brace. Um, if you've got an ACL tear and you're someone that doesn't want ACL surgery, then, you know, typically an ACL brace or a custom brace um, can help with, uh, with ACL stability as well too. Okay, cool. Let's see. I know we talked a little bit, you talked a little bit about uh, vitamin D and the importance of that. Sure. Um, is there any vitamins that, you know, you would recommend or any supplements that you could recommend that would help with joint mobility and pain control in people with knee pain? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
So I'm a, I'm actually a big believer in, in some of the holistic approaches that people use uh, just because, um, you know, Aleve, Advil, you know, Motrin, Tylenol, all that stuff. It, it has a lot of side effects if you use it for too long. Um, you know, so I, I, I tend to encourage patients who want to use, uh, you know, like fish oil for inflammation, pineapple extract. So eating pineapple can actually help you with inflammation. Uh, also, uh, uh, turmeric or curcumin, that's the uh, yellow spice that Indians and Asians use usually typically in their food has shown to be a very powerful anti-inflammatory. In fact, it's good for your brain as well. They're doing studies with uh, that and, and Alzheimer's disease. Um, and uh, also uh, glucosamine chondroitin is a really famous one that a lot of patients use. But I do tell my patients is that just be careful with using too many of these um, over-the-counter products because right. they're, they're considered you know, mild blood thinners. If, you, if you're using a lot of these blood thinners together as the anti-inflammatories together, you know, you'll get spontaneous bruising and things like that. So you got to be very careful and, and make sure you talk to your cardiologist or your family doctor first before you start any kind of supplements. Um, let's see. When you have a patient in your office, do you, ve do you view injuries of the knee as an issue isolated to the knee or a multifaceted issue? Yeah, I, I, think, I think every injury should be looked at um, kind of a multi-directional you know, approach. Um, you know, me personally, and, and I'm sure a lot of other doctors do this as well, is if someone comes in with a joint injury, I look at not only the, the joint, but the joint on top and the joint on bottom as well, too. And it's good right. to do that. Um, you know, is, your, is, is, is this pain being referred from somewhere? You know, sometimes, mm -hmm. believe it or not, a lot of knee pain can be referred from the hip. Um, and sometimes even knee pain can be referred from the lower back, you know, yeah. if there's a pinched nerve, herniated disc, um, or even the you know, issue with the hip, it can cause you to have referred knee pain as well. So it's important to look at um, kind of like the whole spectrum and look at the, uh, the mechanics of the body. All right. What do you think about squats for the knee? <laughs> <laughs> It's a good question. Um, so, uh, you know, you've got uh, two trains of thoughts. Um, yes. I'm, I'm neutral in all this. So, so, okay. in, in, so what I'm going to say here is, is uh, if, if, if the squats are hurting you, if you're having pain when you're doing squats, probably not a good idea to do it. And there's a lot of exercises you can do and you can speak to your physical therapist about that can substitute for squats that still work on that same muscle group. Um, so you, you definitely want to talk to your therapist about it. But if you have no pain at all and, and you love doing squats, I have no issues with that. I've yet to see, and, and, and you know, I could be wrong, but I've yet to see a study that show that squats will increase your rate of arthritis or something like that. I've never seen that. Um, but you know, if you're having pain doing any kind of activity, no matter if it's squats, running, whatever, mm -hmm. then, then it's probably not a good idea that you continue that until you figure out why, why this is happening. Right. We get a lot of uh, patients and athletes to try to kind of run or fight through the pain. That right. might not necessarily be the best. Not a good idea. Yeah. Not a good idea. I see a lot of stress fractures that way in my office, people running through pain, not a good thing. All right, um, one second. We're just looking at a little bit more questions here. Sure. From a physical therapist point of view, um, what would you, as a physician, what do you find is, or what do you find is a, uh, like a competent physical therapist when it comes to treating your patients? What do you want from a physical therapist when it comes to treating your patients? Yeah, uh, that's a great question too. So I personally go out to the community and meet my therapist. Um, you know, I've met uh, you, I've met your, uh, you know, your owner. I've, I've gone out and met other therapists as well. 
Um, and, and I kind of want to understand, you know, um, what their philosophy is, you know, how, how they would, you know, work with our patients and things like that. I think a competent therapist kind of looks at the overall picture, you know, they communicate with the doctor, let the doctor know, you know, Hey, you know, I think this is what's going on, uh, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm always open to suggestions from a physical therapist because the doctor will spend about 15 minutes in the office maybe 20 minutes in the office seeing the patient, you know, once, maybe every couple of weeks or four weeks while the therapist is seeing the patient, you know, two or three times a week, you know, and, and for many weeks in a row. Nice. So you guys will pick up subtle issues with the patient. You guys will have a better understanding how their mechanics are and what, what's going on with the patient and how their improvement or trajectory is. And, and I like that feedback. Um, I actually have a lot of my therapists who text me, you know, I have, mm -hmm. I have a bunch of therapists will text me, you know, I have athletic trainers in, at high schools and colleges will text me and say, Hey doc, you know, I think this is what's going on with my, uh, you know, athlete or my, my patient. And, you know, what are your thoughts on this? So I'm actually very approachable when it comes to communication. That's, a, that's very important. Um, uh, but, you know, overall knowledge set, you know, making sure that they are focusing on, you know, range of motion, flexibility, strengthening, core work. You know, those are very important for me, especially with uh, a lot of these injuries. Great. Thank you. Um, is, we're kind of wrapping up on time here, Dr. Chopra. So sure. um, as we wrap up, I kind of wanted to get if, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things today. Um, yeah. If you were to get give one takeaway for the viewer, what would you feel like is the most, I know it's a loaded question, what's the most important takeaway you would want to give to the, per the people watching tonight? Anything that you're yeah, passionate uh, about? <laughs> <laughs> um, always know about your injury. I love it when patients right. come in and say, hey, I went on Google and I researched my injury. I actually like that because that means that the patient's interested in their injury. They're interested right. in their care. They know what's going on. I, I want them to know what's going on, um, you know, and, and I want them to some, you know, question me, you know, say, hey, doc, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we, why are not we doing that? So I like that. Um, that. That just tells me that the patient is involved in their own care, which is great. Um, and then I guess, you know, the other thing is, you know, never, never be afraid in asking your doctors any questions. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm very approachable. Um, a lot of my patients actually have my cell phone number, believe it or not. They'll text me throughout the day, you know, call me uh, on my phone, uh, but typically they'll call the office, but I'm, I'm actually very approachable that way. Um, and, you know, if you have pain, if you have an injury, uh, you know, any doubts in your mind, just come in to, and see us, you know, come, come see the sports medicine doctor, uh, you know, we'll squeeze you in, um, you know, and we'll, we'll make time for everybody. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we can figure out a way to, 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 to help you out. Awesome. All right. So I just wanted to thank you so much for your time, Dr. Chopra. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to get anyone who um, is interested or knows someone who could benefit from a sports medicine physician. Um, you know, definitely Dr. Chopra is more than competent to see you. Uh, <laughs> and Dr. Chopra, is there any uh, best way to kind of reach you guys, social media? Um, you guys are on Facebook and Instagram, right? Facebook? Yeah, um, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, gsamedicine.com, or sorry, gsamedicine. So G is in George, S is in Sam, A is in Apple, medicine for Instagram. Same thing with Facebook. Uh, we also have a Twitter as well. Um, you can always, always follow me on LinkedIn um, and our website, uh, is uh, gsamedicine.com. Um, and uh, we're located on uh, 116 South Euclid Avenue in Westfield, New Jersey. And our office number is 908-588-2311. That's, that's it right there. 
Awesome. Thanks so much. <laughs> I hope we can do this again. Thanks, Brian. Same All here. Right. Take All care. right. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.